Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the kennel, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much, Daniel. Um, I am going to have to open up with a little bit of repentance because whenever I came in this morning, I hadn't seen Daniel in a few weeks, and I am very jealous of his spiritual gift of a big, full beard. So I'm, I'm going to have to work on that. If y'all would pray for me with that, I would, I would appreciate it. But anyway, it's great to see y'all here today. And if you want to follow along with us, we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Whenever I was a preacher down in Fort Stockton, Texas, uh, I had a, a friend of mine, you know, went there, and he come in, and I knew he had got a new horse. And so I was asking him about his new horse, and I said, How, you know, how's that new horse doing? He's like, it's oh, going okay. I said, well, what do you mean okay? And he said, well, that horse nearly clotheslined my son. And I mean, this guy was like, you know, 19 or 20, or, I mean, he was older. It wasn't like a little kid. And he said, he... Uh, went underneath a tree and nearly clotheslined my son. And I was like, wow. I said, uh, is he okay? He's like, well, you know, he bailed off. He'd rather hit the ground than, you know, get hit by the tree branch. And I said, couldn't turn or anything. He's like, nope, couldn't, couldn't turn. And I said, my gosh. I said, how fast was, you know, how fast was, I mean, was the horse just running away? He goes, oh, no, it was just at a walk. And I said, he bailed off at a dead walk? He's like, yes. Well, I, I'd never heard of anybody bailing off at a dead walk before. But, um, you know, I, every time I think about that story, I think that, man, how many times in my faith, and maybe even yours too, how many times do we bail off at a dead walk? I mean, we see something scary coming, and we would just like, oh, we're, we're out of here, right? We've all been there and done that. We've all, in our faith at some point, have bailed off at a dead walk. And Paul, in 1 Timothy, I know the Bible can be confusing, but Paul wrote it to a guy named Timothy. Yes, yes. Very good, Doug. You get the cupcake. <laughs> But so anyway, there, there's two letters to Timothy that Paul wrote. Timothy is a young guy, but Paul didn't want this to happen to his young protege. And Paul charged him with some things that we could all use to stay on and make our final charge. So in 1 Timothy 6, 14, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently. We're going to start at the end and work our way back up and see just what Paul has to say to Timothy. In 1 Timothy 6.14, Paul says these words, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a charge, right? Maybe not the charge of whooping and spurring, leading the charge, but he says, I charge you to keep this command. You know, hey, I want, not it would be a good idea. I mean, this is a powerful statement that Paul is making. I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Today's message is the final charge of godly men. Okay? Final charge of godly men. So we're going to work our way back from verse 14, and we're going to go to the second part of 1 Timothy 6.12. Paul says this, Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. That is the charge. Okay? That is the charge that he was talking about. I charge you to keep this command. That's what he's talking about. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And I think that we should all take hold of the eternal life that God is offering us, and that is exactly what Paul is telling Timothy. So, uh, one of my best friends in the world, I talk about him a lot, Ralph Hager, um, he told me a story one time about a dog named Cowboy. And Cowboy was a catch dog, and Ralph never had dogs that would push cattle, because he said, I can push cattle, I just, sometimes I can't stop them. So anyway, he was Catahoula and pit bull or something like that. And he took it because there was a bull that they couldn't get, always getting on the fight. And old cowboy, he had one skill, bite him in the face and hang on. And that was his skill. So they go out there and, and they, this bull runs off and he sends cowboy after this bull. And they, they're in New Mexico, so it's kind of mountainous country. And they kind of get him up in this little, I don't want to say canyon, but, you know, there's a bunch of rocks and everything. And Cowboy gets a hold of this bull. And I mean, this bull is just bellering. And can you imagine having a Catahoula pit bull cross latched onto your face? He said that bull was just, I mean, going crazy trying to get this dog off. And he was slinging his head. And old Cowboy was, he, I ain't, take a hold. I ain't letting go. And it wasn't on purpose. That bull slung cowboy right into the side of a rock face, caved his skull in. Well, he let go then. He let go then. But not until then. He didn't let go until there was nothing left in him. And I think that that's how we should take a hold of the eternal life to which we are called, just like Paul tells Timothy to do. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. We should all do that. Just like a Catahoula pit bull cross, and maybe that wasn't it, but it was something like that. Take a hold of something and hang on tight. This is the charge, the final charge of godly men. So, okay, we know that this is the command that he's speaking about in verse uh, 14, and the command was take a hold of the eternal life, right? We understand that. But how do we do that, right? Well, once again, Paul has already explained it, but we're working our way backwards. So uh, in 1 Timothy 6.12, the first part of the verse, Paul says, fight the good fight. When Daniel was putting the verses in on the live stream, when he saw that, he was like, that's one of my favorite verses. Fight the good fight. You know, I've had the privilege to be around a few people that's got some really good dogs. Really, really good cow dogs. And 
whenever I think about fight the good fight, what does, how do you do that and still love people? I mean, what is he talking about? Well, I related it to, to cow dogs because a good old cow dog, he knows when to fight and when not to. They just do their job, you know, whether it's pushing them or, or going to get a calf that's on the other side of the fence. Uh, a good dog knows his job, but a good dog also listens to his master for guidance and direction. So unless he's getting guidance and direction, he does his job just like he knows how to do. But he's always listening for the whistle. Buy or away, get a hold. But you know what? I've also seen young dogs. And boy, young dogs, man, they're just, I mean, just whipping back and forth. And they're like, where can I bite something? You know, I mean, they're, they're really excited. And, and I think you know, they get worn out pretty easy, but those old dogs know how to pace themselves. It, it's, it's crazy that, well, I've seen, I've seen a couple of dogs that were better than most of the guys that have horses. You know, you, you'd rather have them. But young dogs want to run everywhere and bite everything. But those experienced dogs will just do what needs to be done. Nothing more and nothing less. Fight the good fight is like a good cow dog. You, you just do your job until the master tells you to do something different. And we always need to have that ear. And some people say, well, you know, God's not talking to me. Well, that's okay. That's fine then just do what you know needs to be done. And then when he does tell you to do something, then it's time for you to listen and do it. And I think that in a daily walk, that is what fight the good fight means. And then in 1 Timothy 4.11, Paul says, But you, man of God, Flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Well, it, what's he talking about whenever he says, but you, man of God, flee from all of this? Uh, we, we would have to go back a few verses, but basically in, in verses 9 and 10, um, Paul was talking about uh, to be content. Okay, to be content in all situations. Don't worry about money because money is the, the love of money is the root of all evil. And so then whenever he comes into this final charge, this passage, that's why he says, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. But the main word in that is pursue is pursue. If you are going to pursue something, you have to keep your eye on it. You have to keep your eye on it. And you can't get too far back. You have to diligently, every single day, if you are going to pursue something, you have to keep going. You can't get too far behind. You cannot lose sight of it. And Paul says, Keep going and do not lose sight of righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. What is the difference between righteousness and godliness? 
Well, if you know, you're smarter than me because I had to go look it up. I mean, I kind of had a vague idea, but based on what I read, you know, I've always told y'all that righteousness is doing what God says, how he says to do it, when he says to do it, and how he says to do it. Or maybe, you know, the who, what, when, where, and why deal, right? That's righteousness. So righteousness is the outward behavior that we are supposed to lead or live. Righteousness is our outward behavior. Godliness is the set of morals, values, and ideals that come from God that govern how we act righteously. And if you think about it, if you don't have that inside, it's not going to come outside. But righteousness is about your behavior, your outward behavior and godliness are the set of values and morals. That is your moral compass, and it should be based upon what God says and wants us to do and stuff like that. What is faith? Can you define faith simply? Well, I don't know that that can be done, but I'm going to give you my shot at it. And you've heard me say it before. Faith is a heart addicted to hope. Faith is a heart that is addicted to hope. That no matter what you are going through right now, no matter what you know happened in the past or what you're scared of, that mulberry tree is coming and you think you're going to be clotheslined, no matter what happens, faith is a heart that is addicted to hope. That you know that in the end, Everything is going to be all right, all right, all right. Thank you, Daniel. Is your heart addicted to hope? Or is your, is your heart addicted to fear? Is your heart addicted to sin? Is your heart addicted to unforgiveness? Or is your heart addicted to worldly things? Is your heart addicted to money? Because faith is a heart that is addicted to hope. But you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. So we talked about righteousness. We talked about godliness. We talked about faith as a heart that is addicted to hope. But do you know what love is? In the Greek, there are seven different words that are used for love. In English, there's one, love. We use it for Cheetos and God. I love Cheetos. I love God. I hate English. I hate the deal that says, well, we're in America. We should speak English. We can't even speak English. What are y'all talking about? Have you not been on social media? The people that we really need to pray for are all these old English teachers that are seeing the fruits of their labor. That's who we need to be praying for. Off topic. Do you know what love is? Here's my definition. Love is hard. That's my definition. Love is hard. Because 
Real love is an action. It's not an emotion. Well, I'm just not in love with them anymore. Well, that means you stopped loving them, right? Love is not, the love that God is talking about here is not that fleeting emotion. It's not talking about nachos, you know. It's not talking about anything like that. It's talking about that that core belief that, that you'll never give up on because, I mean, you think about it. Love is hard. I mean, I, I've asked people that's been married, you know, 40, 50 years, you know, how did you do it? And they said it was hard. That's, that's nearly every time. That's in some form or fashion, that's what they say. It was hard, but it's worth it. It's hard, but it's worth it. You know, and in the Bible... This is, this is going to, some of you ain't going to like it. In the Bible, God says that you don't get no credit for loving people that are easy to love. You only get credit for loving those that don't love you back. How much credit you got? How's that bank account in heaven? You going to get that crown? Because it's real easy to love the easy ones. But it's real hard to love the knotheads. Love, love is hard. It is a fire that you continually have to feed. Because if you don't, it's going to go out. And then it says, endurance. But you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Endurance is the ability to keep going forward no matter what. I had a friend of mine not too long ago on the phone. We were talking. And they asked me, they said, what are you good at? I'm like, ugh. You know, what level are we talking about? You know, because I'm, real, the only, I'm not good at multitasking, but there is one area that I can multitask better than anybody else because I can screw everything up at once. Okay, that's, that's the only multitasking I can do. But they asked me, what are you really good at? And in the end, this is what I came up with. I've always just had a knack that no matter what is happening, you put one foot in front of the other. That's it. That's how I get through my life because being in ministry is not easy. And it's not easy on Ty and it's not easy on Brett. It's not easy on Mitch or our board members or our volunteers. Um, I've just always had a knack for just putting one foot in front of the other. You know, even, even falling down, if you can fall forward, falling down is okay. It's still moving forward, right? And I've done that a lot too. But endurance is the ability to keep going forward no matter what. Keep going forward no matter what. And my question is, are you moving forward? Or are you stuck? Are you going backwards? You don't know the direction you should go. Well, if you don't know which way to go, I'll tell you. Go forward. 
Because if God can make all of this, he can lead you in the right direction, whether you know it or not. And I always say that I can look back on my life and realize that even when I wasn't following God, he was still leading me. And if he will lead me when I wasn't even trying to follow him, how much more can he lead me when I am? If you're not sure of which direction to go, go forward. And then gentleness. Gentleness. Um, gentleness is solely reserved for one type of person. Only one type of person can do that right there. And you know who it is? Someone that's strong. Strength is the number one requirement for gentleness. I shared this on Facebook. Somebody else had shared it, and I liked it so much that I shared it. And it's talking about masculinity, but women, y'all will know that this can apply, not the masculine part, but this can apply to women too, even though it's talking about masculinity. It says, masculinity is not toxic. The absence of it is. Weak men are abusive and spiteful. Strong, masculine men are protecting, loving and gentle. Man. Gentleness is only reserved for the strong. Because a weak man will never be able to be gentle. Where are you at today? Maybe you need to do some spiritual working out. Maybe you need to get stronger in your faith. And you know how to do that. You know where you're you know, slacking off in different places. And, you know, in Revelation, um, one of those verses that is just like a baseball bat up to your head is when Jesus says, the one thing I hold against you is that you don't have the same fire in you as you once did. Ouch. Ouch. You don't have the same fire for me as you once did. Ralph woke up the next morning. It was nearly dark when Cowboy's head was bashed in, and he had to take the bull all the way back. And after that ordeal, that bull wanted to go anywhere that that dog wasn't, living or dead. So the next morning he got up. He was going to go saddle a horse and go get his dog. Got him a cup of coffee. Sad, you know how it is. Walked out on the front porch, and Cowboy was laying on the porch. Now, his head was cockeyed like this. But Ralph said he lived like five or six more years and never once backed down. Never once, back, never once backed down. And we say the same for y'all. Because we do need to take hold of the eternal life. We do need to fight the good fight. And we do need to pursue righteousness, godliness, 
faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. The final charge of godly men and women. Will you take it? Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we need you first and foremost, and the only way that we get to you is through your Son. God, if there is anyone listening today that wants to take hold of that eternal life, all they have to do, say in their hearts, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, and let me ride with you forever. Teach me your ways, and I'll follow. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Don't leave here today without knowing how much we love you. If you need something from us, I can't guarantee that we can do anything about it, but we can dust you off and give you a leg up back on that bronc. We can't ride it for you, but we can dust you off if you've been yard darted. So we don't know what we don't know. So if you need something, we can, the very least we can do is pray for you. So we love y'all. We'll see you next week. Hey, before we head out, I want to ask you if you're going to be sticking around with us. If you are, I'm going to ask you to go to savethecowboy.com and sign up to make a monthly contribution. But let me tell you why. Because you heard this today because someone else did that. They gave so that we could reach you. It's time to pay it forward. When you give, we will be able to reach the next cowboy or cowgirl. The hands before you stepped up and filled the gap, and now I'm asking you to do the same. Someone reached you. It's time for you to reach someone else. Go to SaveTheCowboy.com or you can even text SaveTheCowboy, all one word, to 77977 to give with your mobile phone. Again, that's SaveTheCowboy, all one word, to 77977. It's time to pay it forward. For Save the Cowboy, this is Kevin Weatherby. See you next time.